ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Disgusting Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. Hello, good people. It is a beautiful day to be alive. Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, of course, I am your host, Charlie, and I'm joined once again by the Plifford Comer himself, Zelius. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Thursday Night Hangout. It's a live show where we try our best to cover the topics most important to you during the show. If you have not had a chance to um, po uh, post your question, your comment, your concern, topic, all you got to do is just drop it in the chat, be it on Facebook, Twitch, or YouTube, and we'll try to add it to the show. If we do unfortunately run out of time, we'll add it to the very next show. And thank you to my cat for replacing my microphone. There you go. <clears throat> All right, so ladies and gentlemen, let's jump right into it. And of course, the big story that we have to talk about. Actually, let's let's do the sad news first, and then we'll go from here. Uh, the actor, Michael Gambon, who was known as Dumbledore for basically the... Uh, I guess, let's see, I think he started taking over... I think he took over in number three. All that sounds right. End. Yeah. Uh, he unfortunately has passed away at the age of 82. Mm-hmm. He, uh, for those out there uh, who are Whovians, that's people who love Doctor Who, he was um, a curmudgeon uh kind of like Scrooge-like character in one of the Christmas episodes uh, oh. with uh, Matt Smith. I probably saw that episode, but it doesn't ring a bell. I'm sure I saw it just at the time, because he did a hell of a lot of makeup and wardrobe stuff in Harry Potter Yep, with the long... Yep. Beard and all, yep. so probably just never noticed. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was great in the Harry Potter series, um, playing Dumbledore. He gave it that certain something fatherly craziness because, yes, Dumbledore for also had a lot of flaws at the same time. Well, he was um, definitely a different Dumbledore than the, the first guy who played Dumbledore, true, yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely a sad day. He was a Great actor in the movie. Um, if I had a wand, I'd raise a wand to him. But there you go. It's one thing I never got over the years was a wand from Harry Potter or any other series. I, my son uh, has a Harry Potter wand, so I went to the um, the Disney thing and and uh, brought him back a wand. Oh, nice. There's actually a uh, wand maker at DragonCon who walks around. Uh huh. And if he likes you, he'll give you a wand. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. It, well, so my friends, two years ago, they gave them a wand. I don't remember what they had, mm -hmm. but whatever it was, it's like, would you like a wand from my wand shop? Interesting. He has like a full, he has like a full professional name and everything too. Kind of, uh, what, uh, so in the same van, uh, uh, same vein is Oleander's. Yeah, and like I mean, he makes them. Like you could tell, like they were all custom made, like by him at, at his house, mm -hmm. doing like woodworking. Yeah, it was like an Oleander's wand shop. It was the same exact type of deal. Mm -hmm. And you could like describe the length and what they're made from. It's pretty cool. Sweet. It's like I wish I had woodworking skills like that. Yeah, that that would be nice. The, I, there's a lot of skills out there that I wish I had. Uh, that, those would be very nice. Touche, touche. Um. Okay, so the next bit of news probably means nothing for Zelius, but is very exciting for anime uh, viewers out there, especially fans of the show Spy X Family. And that is that the season two has finally been announced. Uh, Crunchyroll uh, has given the release date. Um, I think they're going to do it like a, a simulcast. So uh, you're going to see the episodes coming out probably once a week and it all starts October 7th. So next week, right? October 7th is next week, right? Yeah. Um, right. I don't know. Hold on. Uh, I next Saturday, starting next Saturday. Is that something you're excited about? Oh yeah. And so are, so are my boys. They, they like spy family as well. Ah, uh, so it's a kid anime. No, not really. It's a, it's a, an anime where, a secret agent has to go undercover as a father of one, and he ends up getting a telepathic daughter and an assassin wife, but none of them know what any one of them is. They just think they're a regular family. But so, they all independently do their crazy stuff. Exactly. 
Nice. Yes. So it's it's good. It's it's a very solid uh, anime, and of course, I've got a couple of the manga as well. It's good stuff. Of course. Well, there's an anime, there's a manga, and Charlie will have both. Usually, yeah. Anyways, okay, so here is the big topic. Um, we've been very aware that there has been a huge writer strike that's been going on for quite a while. And it looks like we have the end of the strike. And um, I've, uh, I've got a couple bullet points of the changes that are going to be made for the future. Uh, so I just wanted to go over them and then we'll just, you know, we'll chit chat about our opinions on the whole thing. First thing is first, let's talk about regulations on AI, AI as in artificial intelligence, not Allen Iverson, the famous point guard, um, basketball player. That'd be a very confusing swap to have going from actors talking about Alvin Iverson to with his crossover of death to, uh, artificial intelligence. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so basically, the um, the new standing is AI can't write or rewrite literary material, and AI-generated material will not be considered source material under the MBA. This is the, the, the agreement. Hmm. Meaning that AI-generated material can't be used to undermine a writer's credit or separated rights. A writer can choose to use AI with performing writing services if the company consents and provided that the writer follows applicable company policies, but the company can't require the writer to use AI software when performing writing services. All right. The company must disclose to the writer if any materials given to the writer have been generated by AI or incorporate AI-generated material. The Writers Guild Association reserves the right to assert that exploitation of writers' material to train AI is prohibited by the NBA oh. or other law. That's a pretty big one, actually. Yes, the last it is. one. Like the first ones make pretty logical sense, actually, I think, as far as a writers being able to do their own thing without being taken over by AI. Yep. I would guess that last one was actually probably a sticking point because in the mind of Hollywood, they're probably thinking a little bit of like, okay, we, in their minds at least, right. Like that did not go the way we want, but, oh, we could spend the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years training how to write scripts with all this stuff. Yeah, exactly. But it sounds like that last bullet point basically prevents AI training. Um, but I wonder like, how does that prevent something like chat GPT still using scripts to do the same exact thing? Well, chat GPT was actually listed as uh, one of the AI softwares. Well, I'm saying like, if you're chat GPT, you're not bound by this. So if you're right. Hollywood 20 years from now, you could be like, Oh, screwed. I can just use chat GPT to write scripts. Hmm. I mean, basically Hollywood, I guess just can't do it themselves, but somebody else is still going to. Right. It's like, it's still going to use scripts for training. Right. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Uh, the next part deals with streaming services, ah. transparency, and residuals. <laughs> uh, the lack of transparency makes it hard for writers and producers to judge the success of their own shows. Wait, wait, wait. Lack of transparency in Hollywood? Yeah, Are I you know. sure we're talking about the same thing here? Oh, Lord. Uh, and reduces the leverage writers have to demand fair compensation. While mm -hmm. the new rules don't require streamers like Netflix to disclose numbers to the public, they will provide the total number of hours streamed domestically and internationally for self-produced high-budget streaming programs. Hmm. Uh, this is according to the Writers Guild Association summary. With that transparency comes viewership-based residuals, projects hmm. written under the new MBA on the largest streaming services would receive a bonus of $9,031 for a half-hour episode 16,415 for a one hour episode or 40,500 for a streaming feature over $30 million in budget. Uh, the new residual structure will kick in for projects released on or after January 1st, 2024. Wait, but you get those residuals based on 
what exactly? I'm confused. Um, like you mentioned about like the length of it, but I is that like per a number of views or something? Uh, it's viewer, it's viewership based residuals. So I'm assuming that there's there's some sort of metric for number of viewers, like a threshold. Like yeah. I'm just I know what it is, but it's like a hundred thousand viewers. You get whatever that number was. Right. Right. Yeah, because I know. I mean, that was a huge issue with sit like sitcom TV shows or just any um, cable TV show. I mean, like Friends and Mash and all those. That's where they made all the money. It was not the first run. It was the reruns and syndication. Right. right. And they made tons of money, but there was nothing in the contract about streaming. So when those all went to streaming, they made nothing off of those. Yep. Um, so no, that was a huge sticking point. So to have something in there for residuals, better than nothing. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, the next one has to deal with writer's room minimums. Mm. Um, as time has gone by, writer rooms are getting smaller writers. Uh, basically they're, they're, the shows are transitioning to mini rooms, which are basically scaled down writer rooms. Whereas a traditional writer's room would have around eight writers. A mini room has two or three that assist a showrunner in writing scripts at a lower rate. This keeps costs down, but it is a major disadvantage for the writers. Fewer games, worse, fewer jobs and worse pay. Uh, the new NBA requires writer's room minimums and minimum contract links. Okay. So <clears throat> the breakdowns differ between development rooms and post green light rooms. Development rooms are where writers develop shows before they head into the next phase, uh, which of course is the post green light room, uh, which are for the shows that have been approved for production. Uh, development rooms are, um, you know, of course they're important can mean that writers are only employed briefly because you know it's 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 a brainstorming thing uh under the mba writers hired for development rooms are guaranteed a minimum of 10 consecutive weeks of employment oh. uh, for post green light rooms shows with 13 or more episodes need to employ a minimum of six writers um with at least three writer producers as well so, uh, nine people in the room, okay. uh, these staff members are guaranteed 20 weeks or the entire duration of the post green light room, whichever is shorter. Um, on top of that, if the show had a development room, two writer producers from the development room must be hired for the post green light writer's room. So if you were in that, um, I don't know. Did they? I don't think they actually listed how many people had to be in the development room, but at least two of those individuals from the development room have to be uh, part of the three for the 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 greenlit room. So, so without obviously knowing a whole lot about script writing goes, but it seems like writing good stories and yep. dialogue center is pretty important to good. TV shows, right? Yeah. Or movies. One would think. So it would seem in a way that, like, yes, it keeps costs down by having less writers, but if you also have more writers and therefore better content, mm -hmm. wouldn't you also, in theory, have more viewers and therefore make more money? True, but once again, that, I think... you, know, does that make, you know what I'm saying? It's right. like create better product by having better, more writers, basically. Right, no, and I think that that's part of, you know, the... The, the the problem with streaming is I think a, a lot of these companies thinking about streaming uh, are trying to cut costs because they know they're not going to get any residuals when they put it on the sure. streaming platform. So sure. why would they spend the extra money? But now if you have residuals, now you have more incentive to do that. I can see that. Exactly. That makes sense. I like it. All right. And the final part is an increase in wages. Ah. The uh, Rights Guild Association and... I'm not, I can't remember what AMPT, A-M-P-T-P, um, I can't remember where that is, contract, uh, 
is going to up their yearly minimum pay by 5% for this year, 4% for 2024, and 3.5% for 2025. So each year there's going to be a pay a minimum pay increase of that percentage. Right on. Uh, rates differ based on roles, which are outlined in the NBA. Uh, staff writers will see this increase immediately, while uh, story editors and executive story editors uh, will see the pay increase upon ratification of the new NBA. So, sounds good. I mean, I'm I'm happy that the writers are getting some love and. Uh, and in this crazy ass world we live in, to me, the, the thing that's really nice is the guaranteed employment for a certain amount of consecutive weeks. Uh, there, there's so many companies out there out, even, you know, all over the place that will basically utilize a, um, you know, they'll, they'll hire someone on and that person could be with the company for years, or they could be there for like two months and then they're gone and it's not, you know, it's not known how long mm-hmm. you have the job, <laughs> which kind of sucks. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like anything too crazy on either side of the argument. Right. Um, I think the biggest one was AI and it seems like the writers kind of got, I'm guessing most of what they wanted on that end. Yeah. Um, but overall it's, I would think it would create a more stable work environment for better employees um, to create better products in the end, I would assume. Um, it would also, yeah. I think it would also help keep the same writers in the room instead of them. Cause I know that some, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the part where they're doing the, uh, the part with the the writer producers, you have a lot of individuals who are in the development room who do not transition over to that green room. Um, they pay, you know, they probably play, pay a premium to the development room just to have some crazy cool idea. And then they try to, I don't want to say outsource it, but they try to get a, um, what do you call it? Um, a discounted budget with individuals who, are known to, it's kind of like um, the video game companies that produce ports. Yeah. The, the, you know, the the source material is there. They just got to make sure that it works um, for people. Yeah. So in this case, be able to create create some consistency across different kind of levels of development. Exactly. Of your show. Yeah. So, yeah. so good job, or, you know, it's exciting because now shows are going to get back to being written. Uh, I know that they're the, you know, there's a lot of people out there who love their late night TV shows. That's going to start, you know, that'll start rolling again. Your daytime TV shows, if you watch those. Um, basically, well, I mean, anything scripted. And people were obviously in strike for this and not getting their regular income. So I'm also glad to see that the strike didn't, have to last indefinitely. Yeah. Um, as we've seen elsewhere at times, usually with sports, to be fair, um, with very different levels of income, but at least they didn't last forever. So, because I mean, it's it, most of the majority of the people in the strike were people of like yours and I's type of salary. Right. You know, they're not the millionaire directors um, or like the rocks who are making millions. The large majority of them are kind of your normal day to day day workers. And those are really the ones who get the biggest changes from these from a day to day. Yeah. So, you know, good on them. All right. So I was asked. So as many of you know, I have been playing a specific game uh, relentlessly. Uh, I have technically beaten it. However, there is a continuation after the closing credits. Uh, The game, of course, that I'm talking about is Starfield. Wait, you were able to build your ship that goes far enough? Yes, yes. I oh, look at you! You could build ships. Yeah, it turns out that um, uh, if I put if I put skill points in a couple of places, the the um the monster ship that I built that's ah. just 
it's way too effing big um could actually make the jump nice although i did have to build another ship uh to complete one quest because i was one light year short on my ship so i couldn't no! get to this one location to complete this quest which was beyond bizarre because basically you're trying to help a bunch of uh clones of historical figures like i walk into town oh. and the guy's name the guy's uh name flashes up going frankly i'm like that guy looks like fdr and sure enough he's like hello i'm franklin delano roosevelt i'm like what the f then there's Amelia Earhart. There's uh, Genghis Sounds Khan. Sounds like you're a Doctor Who episode. Like, I'm traveling to meet all these different famous people. Ada Lovelace. But there is a big-ass bug in that in that quest. And that is, no matter what you do, once you get to a certain part in the that quest, every time you enter that town, everyone turns hostile. You have to kill them. Well, you shoot them down. All the famous people will just be like oh god i've been hurt and they'll crawl around for a little bit and then after like a minute or two they'll pop back up and then they're normal again like nice. nothing happened i'm like what the sh is this um but yes i i did defeat uh I, or i guess i got an ending for starfield and you could continue uh if you so desire and Basically, of course, it's a game they want you to play forever and ever and ever. You're and basically ever. playing in an alternate universe with, um, with uh, some added bonuses. But I lost all my ships, of course, because now I'm in a uh, an alternate universe, so I don't have those ships. So I can redo all the quests again if I really wanted to. Oh, so that's their version of Endgame Plus. Yeah. Okay. So the reason why I bring up Starfield. Um, and uh, one of the, the selling points of Starfield, of course, is that it's an open-world RPG. Sure. So, for for clarification, uh, I want to know, what is Zelius's definition of open-world? Definition of open-world? Yeah. If, if I say that this is an open-world game, what does that mean? Usually, it means... I mean, obviously, there's going to be air, like degrees of open worldness. Right. We, I think we can establish that. But yeah. usually, open world to me means that it's a non-linear, a non-straightforward main story quest line, meaning that, like, when you have a like when you have quest, like the main quest, let's just say, eventually, going to beat the great big evil wizard, right? Mm -hmm. If it's open world, you go from like. And usually you go from not just city to city, mm -hmm. but it's also going to be open world in terms of having a large open map. Mm -hmm. uh, so you see a map and there's lots of big open things to do, like kind of in that map and also lots of story quest, um, quest to do. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that open world games start to do also probably real, I think it was, um, Assassin's Creed that really brought this in was all of the like side quest in terms of things to find. Mm -hmm. Like go find 10 random artifacts, go find eight vistas, go find 14 Arkham's of history, like all these little doodads to go find. Right. Um, which for the most part I find dumb because they're literally just stupid extra things to artificially inflate the gameplay length of a game is literally all they're for. Um, so those I hate. Um, but I think it, it's, so it's very wide open as far as how you get from point A to point Z versus the opposite would be normally a game on rails um, where you might still have some side quests. Like that's not normal to have side quests. But like when you go from like, zone a to b you get to zone b all your side quests are right there in zone b mm -hmm. it's not like you go from zone a to zone b oh there's also zone z d e f g right outside of here for you to go explore at the same time mm -hmm. they're all pretty condensed as far as a space splash map goes mm -hmm. um so i think that's the big difference and usually i also find a lot more of the on rails games like if you're like when you go to zone B and you have to do like 
quest X and you pick up four other quests, like you can almost do all the quests at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like they're all very close together. Like it might be your main story quest is go kill 10 orcs and your side quest is go pick up eight pickaxes. Oh, mm -hmm. guess what? These orcs happen to be carrying those eight pickaxes pickaxes you have to pick up right how right. convenient is that right um so i'd say that's probably the two big things one's really the quest like how many are there and are they like spread out in multiple zones which correlates into how big is your map um and is it like are they all spread out across like disparate parts of the map or are they kind of like centered onto like very concentric zones mm -hmm. so um my definition of open world is basically it's it's on the same line as what Zelia said. Um, it's an open world game to me is you can travel basically anywhere you want to. Now, of course, if with every single game, there are certain areas that you probably want to be more experienced uh, before you go there because they're stronger monsters. Usually, you know, you could do like concentric circles and the further you get away from your starting point, the harder things get. Um, uh, you know, uh, there's there's tons of side quests um, that you could do in any order and they could be, you know, be over, you know, 500 light years to your to the left. And then the next one could be like, you know, right next door to where the the quest giver is. And the next one could be across the entire universe, that type of thing. So it could, you, you ping pong all over there. There's a lot in a lot of open world games. I, I've noticed that there are groups that you can join, uh, mm. in Starfield, you have, um, uh, the UC fleet, you have the, um, the Rangers, you have the pirates, you have, um, uh, Ryujin industry, which basically all those quests are corporate, corporate espionage. Um, you know, it's so like in like a game, like, uh, any of the elder scrolls, you know, you've got the, the thieves guild and the fighters guild and the mages guild to give you all those quests. Um, and in Starfield, uh, you don't really have a person to go to talk to, to get your quest. They're basically these, um, electronic boards, kind of like computers that you log into and it gives you a list of four quests that you could take. You could take them all or you can just select one and then go off and then uh, upon completion of whatever it is, if it's like a bounty quest, as soon as you kill the dude, magically credits appear in your account. Nice. You don't have to go back to the, the, the message board to collect your goods, which is nice because God, what a pain it is to to be running all over the place only to have to backtrack all the way back to the, the quest gear. Now that uh, is, sorry. That is one of my favorite quality of life things that games start doing that. Yes. Um, Cause that's a pretty new thing. It seems, but relatively speaking, yes, I greatly appreciate when whatever kind of game you're playing, mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, just give me the, like I get, I have to go to a person to get a quest. I totally understand that. But if I beat it, just give me the rewards. I, or or yes. at bare minimum, give me the the XP bonus for completing the thing. If if I have to actually return to the person to get, you know, the the golden knife of Ubrick, which is totally made up. There's no such thing as the golden knife of Ubrick. Uh, but if there is, I said it first. Uh, people have to pay me royalty. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> in Star okay, so Starfield is is marketed as an open world game. So te and and here is my issue. It sort of is, but sort of isn't. And what I what I want to say by that is the fact that yes, there are a shit ton of planets, and you can with you know as long as the planet has solid ground, you can't you can't land on a gas planet. Um, but as long as the planet has solid ground, you can land. And to me. I guess in an open world, I feel like how do I how do I describe this? Um, every place is already there, okay. So the there's a huge ass map that's been uh, pre-populated with K 
caves and runes and you know um, towns, uh, magic fairy ponds or whatever. But in Starfield, it is uh, with unless it is a key um, like building or area, it is randomly generated. So it's like instanced. You yeah. go on a planet and you can land in the same spot every single time. And every single time you get off your ship, the stuff that's around you is going to be different. And as a result, and this is this is my biggest gripe about Starfield, is that instead of having, I wish that the developers had basically, or or sorry, the or level designers um, had maybe two or three variations for each type of building instead of abandoned mine mining outpost and every abandoning abandoned mining outpost in a, you know a hundred different galaxies where maybe I don't know 300 planets are out there every single freaking abandoned mining outpost is the same. You like even the only thing that changes is the random shit they just throw on top of surfaces. Like sometimes there'll be bullets and other times there'll be a monkey wrench, which you never need to pick up. Um, it's just the efficiency of being able to produce the same building from their magic 3D printers. Yeah, sure. Um, but I just, I don't know. Like I got to the point where. There's also, there's a lot of buildings that will appear over other types of buildings. And so literally I was like, okay, um, there's going to be a guy here. There's going to be a guy there. There's going to be a guy. I could, the, I think it was, I think it's the mining complex, the abandoned mining complex. When you actually go into, uh, the mining complex, which is a different area, but exact same layout. I could tell you where all of the first eight enemies were going to be. <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to go down this ramp. And then to the left, there's going to be a guy who's going to be staying there. He's going to be turned, but his back is going to be turned. I'll shoot him in the back of the head. I'll sneak up to the barrier that he was standing there. There's going to be another person that's going to be standing looking at their barrier that's going to be slightly to my right and probably about 10 feet down. I'll take him out. There's two guys sitting down all the way at the bottom. Easy targets. I, I want some variety, okay? Like, the, the the variety you give me is that you put a bunch of worthless crap just across everything, and you're not going to pick anything up. Also, I'd really like for the vendors to actually have a real bank account that I can't, that so that I could sell more than two guns and then have to wait, I don't know, a billion hours before I could come back and sell them more stuff. Cause I'm not going to buy anything from any of the vendors. You just want to sell all your stuff. Yeah. It's like, it's basically, I mean, it really is the, the borderland problem, right? Where you just have so much shit, but in borderlands, you can actually sell all that crap. And in Starfield, you literally, it, it's like you have to go shop to shop and basically sell all your stuff and take all of their credits what and, about breaking down items? Is that a thing? Breaking items? Like a lot of games, you can like break items to have crafting no. components. Nope. Oh. You can craft to add to them. And normally that's what I don't always do is I never sell stuff because most games you just dismantle or break it right. down right. to use as crafting components. Yeah, no. I um I still okay, so I I like I said, I've done an entire playthrough. I never crafted. So mm. I didn't make any food, any pharmaceuticals, any <laughs> uh, space uh, suit stuff, or any weapons. Um, there's another huge component of the game is you could create an outpost that will basically mine materials for you, and you can get all com complex. You can have like turrets protected from bad guys and oh. and enemy and, and and wildlife or whatever. Never did it. So there's a whole city building component you just totally skipped. 
Well, one, you have to put skill points into that, and I'd rather have skill points into, I don't know, making my guns work better, uh, allowing for my starship to be better, uh, being able to persuade people. Basically, all my skill points went into persuasion, health, uh, the ability to carry more crap on my back, uh, handguns, rifles, marksmanship, and then um, basically uh, extra cargo space for your ship, uh, the ability to add better modifications to your ship, uh, the ability to go further with your ship, the ability to uh, have um, to be able to target a ship, which basically slows everything down. Um, for a certain amount of time, so you can basically just focus on trying to blow the crap out of your enemy. Oh, and I also had to put uh, points into stealth. But one of the things that Zelius was talking about with um, with Assassin's Creed, where you know you get like you basically get these tchotchke quests, where it's like you know uh, go to these ten different highest points in the city, or go collect the pigeon feathers, or whatever. Uh, in Starfield, the way they kind of approach that is in order to upgrade one of your skills, you have to do X, Y, Z. So for the, the, the ship component thing, you had to, uh, you had to build or change things out on a ship. Um, I think the last one was you had to make 30 modifications to a ship, which basically took my entire bank account because <clears throat> I built it from the ground up. Because that's oh. the easiest way to like to fix that one is just build a ship, and you can, you know, um, and then like for stealth, I think it's you have to do like basically stealth kills um, to gain the ability to carry more stuff. You got to sprint a certain distance with seventy five percent or more of the, your max amount that you can carry, uh, for health, you have to basically survive so much, so many points of damage. Um, you know, so it, it doesn't, like I said, it, uh, it in a previous episode, it doesn't allow you to just kind of like stockpile your points and then throw them all into something when you feel like, Ooh, yeah. this is what I need to do. Um, but yeah, there's, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how you would get, I think I'm, I think I ended the game at level 47, 48, something like that. I don't know how you could get much higher than that. Cause literally I went through all of the quests that you could do and there, there are areas that will, that, um, in the game that are level 70 areas. Now, I would, my weapons were so awesome that I could go into those level 70 areas. And I also had enough healing items, uh, cause I was stockpiling them, uh, because there's so much crap in every single place. Literally, I, I, I would take down an enemy and then have to heal, but I, <laughs> but I had like 90 health packs. Uh, so, but you could still take down the big level seventies. Yeah. As long as I was, was careful about it. I, there was uh, yeah. there was one situation where I saw I saw an enemy that was I think it was at the time was twenty levels higher than me, and I thought I was doing all right, and then it bum rushed me, and when it hit me, it took all my HP and threw my character across the screen. I'm like, oh, okay, and then I died. And so the next time I went there, I literally just kept I just put down a bunch of mines and threw grenades at them and just kind of whittled them down until. Uh, and also I, I kept running through like a, a small door so they couldn't get through. <laughs> uh, that's not fair. Hey, I was using, I was tactical advantage. Okay. Uh, you're playing like a heel. Whatever, man. Okay. Little sissy runner, man. Be a man and just face him fa man to man. Dude, I, I can't tell you how many times uh, that went, because I knew the placement of all those guys, um, Literally, I just, when I got really frustrated, I just run through, like, just have my handgun, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face, keep going, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. 
and just mow people down. Nice. Also, one awesome thing about Starfield is that ammo does not weigh a thing. Oh, that is nice. So by the end of the game, I had like certain types of ammo. I had 8,000 rounds or more. Like I would ever be able to use that many. Because um, literally, like when people died, I would just take the ammo and their health item if they had one. And I'd leave everything else because it's just worthless. Just fire nonstop. Yeah. Just for fun. Just yeah. be kamikaze. Exactly. You know, so... Uh, for those who are wondering uh, what my total hours were for Starfield. 110. 120. Ah, that was my second guess. Well, I guess you got your game's worth out of it. Jeez. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, uh, that's by far. So are you going to play the new game plus now? I, I, I have played a little bit of it, but at the same time, I'm like, do I really want to rinse and repeat? Um, but it's with a plus experience. It really isn't. I mean, <laughs> I could, you know, I could, this world could act completely different than the last world. Woo! It's. Is it like a different story or anything? I mean, it could potentially be, but I was like, you know what I mean? Like, some games, the new game plus is actually adding on to the story, like, from a different perspective on purpose or anything or is there any of that or is it just so um the only difference that i've seen is um the artifacts um uh, there are these these items called artifacts that are hidden throughout the entire universe and when you collect all of them that's how you basically transition into the new world if you really want to ah um and also, just before you transition to the new world, all of the most important decisions basically get laid out um, before you. Like for me, because I screwed up with uh, accidentally killing some people I wasn't supposed to, uh, and I had to end up being, uh, instead of being the United Colonies uh, sis, uh, System Defense system defense Squad, I ended up being a, a pirate. Uh, so, like, there was, like, a still of... The fact that the pirates made the the galaxy much more dangerous as a result, um, and then of course I completed my romantic uh, uh, side quest with one of my female companions. Oh, which, once again, is like it, it was basically like kindergarten. We held hands, and that was the the extent of the romance. Unlike you know, like Baldur's Gate or Mass Effect, where or um, or hell, uh, cyberpunk. Uh, where there are naughty parts uh, to those, or The Witcher. <laughs> yes, I started playing Cyberpunk the other day, and yes, immediately upon the character creation screen, it's like, oh, yes. oh, close your eyes. Yes, you could have a dingle dangle. <laughs> I mean, you could have literally whatever you want. Yep. <laughs> uh, the funny thing, though, to me about like Cyberpunk is you spend all this time in this really good customer or not customer, good Lord character creation, mm -hmm. but the entire games in first person view. So it's like, I created this badass character, but I never actually get to see my character. Well, you get to see him during cutscenes. Yeah. But like, Oh, that's the other thing about Starfield and cutscenes. Dear God. It, it, like half the cutscenes when you're talking to someone, um, I know Zelius doesn't see my me in, in the video right now, but literally, like, I, I'm going to just, I, I will describe it, but literally, I'll be staying there trying to talk to this person, and the person will be staring off to the left. Oh, Their nice. whole yeah. body is turned as if, like, they're, they, they don't even want to look at me. Yep. It drives me nuts. And the, my favorite part, though, is when you have a companion that that adds the conversation, but you ran too fast. So the companion, like the, the camera cuts the companion that so they can add uh, dialogue, but the room that they're in is completely different than the room you're having the conversation in. Because I can't tell you how many times where I like sprinted somewhere to talk to someone and, and um, the person's like, I don't know, in a back room of, of a building and my companion's still out in the street. 
<laughs> and they'll be like, yes, I'm that's over here. right. I'm over here. This is, this is what we have to do. I'm like, they, they can't hear you. <laughs> but anyways. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to pause real quick because uh, there are individuals that we we need to show some love and respect to. These are the people that help Alter Confusion be the Alter Confusion that you love and adore. And so without further ado, let's do the friends of the show. And to start off, of course, is the Indie Cluster. The Indie Cluster is an organization of independent game developers that want to gain exposure by being involved in the community. They collectively journey to popular conferences as a traveling booth to help gain attention for their games. They make partnerships in local communities to bring games to the mainstream mindset. They highlight local, unusual, and rare concepts to challenge the paradigm of the common. They also host events to teach kids and minority groups about game development to hopefully one day enter the industry themselves. For more information, go to IndieCluster.com. The next shout-out we're going to give is to the AV master himself, Noodle Boy Media. Founded in 2015 by Andrew Tran, Noodle Boy Media, previously Wackkid47 Media, is your choice for professional photo shoots and panel recordings at conventions. They pride themselves in providing a high level of professionalism, top-notch experiences, and quality services. If you want more information and to view their full list of services, check out facebook.com slash noodleboymedia. Now let's talk about those that wonderful individual that helps get all your aches and pains from your long gaming sessions, that of course is Hero Chiropractic. Hero Chiropractic is a unique healthcare practice set up by Ryan Moore, the company's focus to elevate a patient's experience of freedom, creative expression, and joy. They believe that everyone can be a hero and has incredible heroic potential inside themselves waiting to be unleashed. Hero Chiropractic focuses on mobile chiropractic care in the greater Atlanta area. They are committed to healing clients by creating a plan of action uniquely suited for each person. They make that plan of action as convenient and affordable as possible, and most importantly, suited to your individual needs. For more information, go to HeroChiropractic.com. Now let's talk about the music maestro himself, the individual who helped us out of a weird uh, copyright thing that should never have happened. Crosspad Creative. Need a new logo or want to work on a full branding and content strategy? Or maybe you need music or audio for your content, just like Alter Confusion. Crosspad Creative offers a whole host of solutions for individuals and small businesses. Just email josh at crosspadcreative at gmail.com and see what he can do for you. The final shout out we got to give is to the original patron himself. Uh, this, the maestro, him, the, the crazy guy that of course is agile axiom by day ax leads both the development team and system administration team working with satellites at NASA's Goddard campus, which ironically or cool or awesomely enough, some of those satellite photos that NASA's Goddard campus produces were actually source material for Starfield. There you go. Uh, but while not in meetings and many times during, he is the Agile Evangelist Agile Axe, championing the philosophy of Agile and trying to make the world a better place for software developers, testers, system admins, and software projects the world over. Decades of experience in software development and leading Agile teams are brought to bear against evil processes, inefficient work, and bad habits. For more information, go to agileaxiom.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I know that you are all just dying to know how do I become a friend of the show. And that, of course, is quite simple, and I'm going to tell you right now. And that is, ladies and gentlemen, Alter Confusion survives on the level of support of fans like you. And so we have a Patreon page. Patreon lets you, the fans, lovers, haters, demigods, interdimensional beings, gods, demons, aliens, vampires, werewolves, swamp beings supporters, and more to become active participants in the work we love through a monthly membership. This gives you access to exclusive content, community, and insight into our creative process. In exchange, we gain a bit more freedom to do our best work and the stability we need to build an even stronger creative career. Currently, we have two different tiers. We've got the $1 tier, this $1 a month or $12 a year. And what you get at that one is early access to all of our playthroughs, as well as the ability to participate in patron-only posts. If you are feeling super duper frisky, you can jump up to the $5 a month. That's $5 a month or $60 a year. Not only do you get everything at the $1 tier, but you also gain your name or organization added to every single Thursday, uh, friends of the show for every Thursday night hangout. So if you want to become a patron of Alter Confusion, go to Patreon. That's P A T 
A-R-E-O-N.com slash Altered Confusion. And of course, as we're doing that type of shout out, we got to give you this shout out. This is something that's always been important to Altered Confusion, basically since the, the inception of or creation of this thing. And that, of course, is Altered Confusion is proud to say that we have been fundraising for Extra Life for 12 years straight. Extra Life is, do, is gamers doing what they do best. Game. To help sick and injured children at their chosen Children's Miracle Network Hospital. The money that we raise through Extra Life will go directly to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta as unrestricted funds. This means that the hospital decides where and how to spend the money to ensure the dollars we raise make the biggest impact in the lives of the kids they treat. So if you have the capacity to donate, please go to extra-life.org and search for Altered Confusion. Okay, so now back to the topics, and the next topic is a little bit weird, and I I have to, I I'm sorry, but I'm sick and tired of all these live action remakes of Disney movies. Uh, dear God, I mean I understand, you know, there there's like the PC people out there who who are really really happy that some of the roles have changed uh, ethnicities. That's fine. That's cool. But some of the the live action are hot garbage. Um, and there is one that's being listed that they are actually going to rework good chunks of the story so that it's more appealing to the youth of today. And that, of course, is we're going to get a live action Bambi. Zelius is speechless. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I like, don't know. I'm actually envisioning him, ironically or not ironically. I don't know what would actually be using CGI for the for the deer. Because I don't know how you actually interact with the real deer to do what you want. Well, it's going to be the same as the Lion King, which I never saw the live action Lion oh King, God. but I heard it was absolute hot garbage. So it's kind of like we've talked, like when we talk about books mm -hmm. that should become TV shows, there's always, there's some books where I don't want to become on the silver screen yeah. because I feel like some works of art are perfect in their own art medium and don't need to be made elsewhere. And that's how I definitely feel about some animated shows. Mm -hmm. And Bambi would be a great example of like, or when Lion King, because you're right, I've not seen a live action version of that. But some things are just like they're perfect in their own art medium. And why bastard? I mean, we know the answer. It's money. We all yeah. know that's why. Oh God, yes. Um, yes. But it still is sad that you're that Disney, in large part, are bastardizing what are great works of art to try to make like a hundred million dollars, basically. Um, yeah, I, I just. So, are we gonna see like a deer die in real life now? Like, it's one thing in a cartoon, but like, is it gonna be a real deer now? That's gonna be like you know shot and then sold off as that we could then eat for dinner that night. Is it, are, are we gonna see a big pita? Oh gosh, uh, outrage! <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't really. I, I don't see the, first of all, uh, in my honest opinion, you watch Bambi once, you never want to see it again. Okay. So sure. yes. I don't ever want to watch a live action adaptation of Bambi because I know how it goes. And it was brutal when I watched it as a kid. And I don't, I, I don't want my kids to see it either. Yeah. I, I, mm. Yes, I'm speechless on this one. I'm just dumb. I'm dumbfounded. Might be a better way of putting it. Yeah. Honestly, it's just why no. Yeah, yeah. I I haven't seen any of the live action Disney remakes, and I just don't really want to. Um, like Lion King and Aladdin are two of my favorite Disney animated movies, and they're great as animated shows, but why do I need to see him as live action? 
Right. I, you know, so I've seen, um, I've seen the live action of Aladdin, which it was okay. Uh, I saw the live action of the little mermaid and that was pretty good. I forgot there was live action for little mermaid. Yeah. It just came out recently. Wasn't uh, that one that had like a bunch of controversy over like who was cast for certain roles? Yes. Yes. Mm. Yes, it was. I like how like people get concerned over the casting of a role of a fictional freaking character. Yeah, we're we're yeah. I, I don't I, really want to are fictional in the real place. Like if it's a real historical person, I totally get it at that point. Yes. But like they're a made up character. Hello. Yeah. I, anyway, I I don't I don't know. I you know I, yeah. Anywho. Um. <laughs> so stupid. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on it. <laughs> uh. Well, if you're interested in finding a uh, kind of. I guess time sucking game for you to play on your mobile device. If you remember uh, that Fallout game, Fallout Shelter, that you could play oh, yeah. on your your phone, there is basically the Fallout Shelter equivalent uh, for um, Elder Scrolls. Oh, uh, it is called. I'm trying to get the the name up here because Elder Scrolls Castles. Did that just come out? Uh, you could get it on, um, you can, let's see here. Uh, it's available now on, for Android devices, through the Google play store. Uh, it looks a lot like, uh, fallout shelter, but is, it is set in medieval fantasy world of Nern. Woo! Hooray. Well, the big one that also came out that I haven't had a chance to play since I was sick all week. Mm -hmm. Um, is Dragon Air Silent Gods, which is apparently like an open world RPG for your phone. I just so, don't know if I can. It's do also that. a gotcha at the same time. It's like an open world gotcha game somehow. I don't know how that works. Uh, so I downloaded it. Um, but yeah, that was, I basically was in class all week and then I went straight to sleep after that. Um, which also meant I didn't get to play any cyberpunk, which I gave into because it was on sale. Mm -hmm. um, so the cyberpunk was, I was excited because in the hour I played, I was like, this is really cool. I, I don't, the, you know, I, as, as it's pretty obvious, I will play open world RPGs, but I just, I don't think I could ever play it on my phone. I think I would just literally. Yeah. Burn. My phone would literally just catch on fire at some point. That's why I'm just curious to see what does this look like on the phone. I'm just, yeah, well, I'm more curious than anything else. So I am going to try it at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know when, because it's not going to be anytime soon. Yeah. Due to trips, which I think you're also doing. Yes, yes. Uh, I do want to give a heads up to uh, everyone that there will not be a Thursday hangout next week. Uh, simply because I will be out of the country. Um, and then the following week, I take Charlie's place of being away from the house. I will attempt to try to find a Zelius replacement. Uh, Ooh, bold words, sir. Bold yes, words. I've, I've, I've attempted to do that several times, and unfortunately has fallen through almost every single time. But at bare minimum, if I can't, if I can't find a replacement for Zelius two weeks from tonight, I will of course, stream for a little bit so that there will be some kind of content on the, I uh, mean, you always have a dog. Yeah. I don't, I don't think anyone wants to listen to Arlo grunt and groan and possibly nip at me because I'm, I'm having to hold him on camera. No, thank you. I'm not, I'm, I'm not seeing a problem here. It could be Charlie and the dog. It's like a live action version of Charlie's life. No, I'd rather not. No. Yeah. No. no. Okay. Yeah, no. No, thank you. Anyways, so um, I guess I will. 
I will be streaming on Sunday and Tuesday. Uh, I don't know what I'll be streaming. Um, you don't know if it's going to actually be uh, Starfield since you put in so many hours, and it's like I must move on with my life. Yeah, I, I might. I might just have to change games. Or hey, how about this? How about I actually start recording a new playthrough? Wouldn't that be? Ooh. You don't want to record all 120 hours of Starfield as your playthrough? I don't, I don't want to. I. I that would be so painful. <laughs> See, that's my problem. I don't think I could ever do a playthrough of an open world game mm. because I, I'd want to kill myself by by if I had to watch that crap. Um, hey, go look at me do random quest number eighty four. Here I am on the two hundredth planet where it is magically generated yet another abandoned mine. It's procedurally generated, but not. Look at my ship that I forgot that if I dock with a ship or space station, it is not the same uh, docking spot as if I landed on a planet. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten lost in my ship because I keep forgetting that my the docking uh, thing is two floors up from my... Um, cockpit where uh if you land on the planet um the loader once you basically get into the ship once you go up the ladder from the loader you could see the cockpit which is like three different segments away but you can still see it mm. and uh you know how there's been all these stories about um people making all these crazy spacecrafts and um in starfield uh, someone has decided to, I don't even know how it's physically possible that they were able to do this, but they created a, a ship that has, when you stack, um, habitat or yeah, habitat, uh, sections on top, they put in ladders. Someone was able to make a ship that has 30 ladders in it. Dear Jesus. What do you need a ladder in your ship for? That seems very awkward to move around with. You need ladders to move into different sections that are, are like a floor up. That's how you transition between floors on your ship. That doesn't seem very efficient. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. No sci-fi movie I've ever seen uses a ladder to move between different stations. They might have stairs There's or stairs. escalator well, actually, or I found, portal. I finally found right near the end of the game, I did find a ship that was huge, freaking mungus who had a cockpit that actually had a flight of stairs that you could take. But most of them. Okay, so this is a game where A can't have like vehicles on a planet, yep. and B doesn't have stairs. There's stairs in cities and in buildings, but there are no stairs on your ship. And what oh, by of... the way, the longer that you you use that ship, the more crap will just start appearing randomly. Like trash will start appearing randomly. What prevents like the stairs from just following over when like when you take off? Everyone has to buckle in. In turbulence. Box they, land. Do they do you have to like strap them down and put like you know magnets no, on them? I, do, so I do not have to I do not have to buckle everybody in. And I don't know how the crap that's sitting on tables actually stays there when I'm doing loop de loops. Hmm. I'm very concerned about the realism of this game now. <laughs> sure. The lack of stairs terrifies me. I, I just, I can't take it. There, there is a ton, a ton of, uh, of ladders. Fair enough. The sad thing is I wish that I could make pretty ships, but all my ships look ghastly. Like I even, the ship that I fly around in has all the makings for crafting. But since I haven't put any skill points into any of the crafting skills, I can't actually craft anything. So it's kind of pointless for me to have put all that crap there. So hmm. yay for me. Should just built some, the unfortunate thing is that the habitats that you can put on your ship weigh next to nothing, but the cargo holds weigh like a effing ton. So I could have a bunch of different rooms, but God forbid I put like a cargo hold on there because it might be now too heavy to take off. 
Well, you can figure all that out when you do New Game Plus Plus. Oh, Jesus. I'm assuming they have like like sequential new games to get people to play again and again and again and again and just never ends. Sure. Sure. We'll we'll see how uh that goes. Yeah. I might I like I said, I might give it a a little bit of um uh a little longer just to see if there's any real difference, but I'm probably now gonna be transitioning over to something else. I just don't know I don't what it is yet. I don't think that's unreasonable. Yeah. Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I believe we've reached the end of our show, so I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Ultra Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. For myself, Charlie, and Zelius, it's been a pleasure getting here to come our heads, our mouths, and, of course, our hearts. We'll be back potentially, or I will be back potentially in two weeks. Um, but until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you later. Remember, kids, keep on gaming in the free world. Amen to that, brother.